You are listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. Resonate is a collegiate church planning network in the Northwest. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at resonate.net. What's up, Resonate? I hope you guys are doing well. It's good to be with you guys today. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Alex, and I'm the site pastor in Bozeman, Montana. Go Bobcats! Um, for a couple of weeks, our church has been in a sermon series called Accidental Atheists. And our hope in this series is to present to you the fullest version of Christianity possible. So along the way, uh, our hope is also to expose shallow, malnourished, deficient versions of Christianity. And then again, to just show you the full version of life that Jesus invites us into. So to say it concisely, uh, our hope in this series is simply to lead our church into a rich spirituality and then to expose any versions of false spirituality that are masquerading as Christianity. So uh, I'd love to just pray to that end, uh, and then we'll go for it. God, uh, thank you for today. We're thankful uh, to be able to gather with other believers under your word. Um, I pray, Lord, that in our time you would challenge each of us. I pray that you convict us and invite us into a richer experience of your presence, God. We love you, uh, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was on Netflix scrolling through, as you do, and I stumbled upon a documentary called Free Solo. Now, many of you probably have watched this documentary, and if you have, uh, then you know that anyone who participates in free soloing is completely crazy, right? Like they're bonkers, totally nuts. Uh, no sane person would ever uh, be a free soloist because normal rock climbers will go to the mountain and, and they have gear and they have ropes and they have a helmet uh, and they climb the mountain. And then when they fall, uh, their gear catches them and provides a safety net. Uh, and usually uh, they walk away totally fine. But what free soloing is, free soloing means rock climbing, uh, but it is just you and the mountain. There's no ropes, uh, there's no helmet, no clips, it is just you and the mountain. So this documentary, Free Solo, follows a guy named Alex Honnold. And Alex Honnold completed the first ever free solo climb of a mountain face called El Cap in Yosemite National Park. El Cap is about 3,000 feet tall, uh, and Alex Honnold climbed it in just under four hours. But if he made any mistakes that day, like if, if anything goes wrong, if he makes one wrong handhold, he's a goner. One wrong foothold, he's donezo. If the wind blows the wrong way, uh, Alex is done that day. Um, but he did it, and he did it in just under four hours. So what I love about this documentary, what I found fascinating, is that without the documentary, all anyone knows uh, is the headline, right? Without the documentary, you just see Alex climb giant mountain. Amazing. Um, but what the documentary shows is exactly what it takes to climb at such a level. The documentary uh, shows that Alex Honnold spent the years leading up to this climb practicing his route. He knew exactly how he'd get up the mountain. He, he, he would practice with ropes and with gear uh, and with his safety net. And, and it would show that he had this journal uh, that documented every difficult situation that he might find himself in. 
The journal uh, would tell him exactly where to put his hands and exactly when he needed to cross his feet. Um, he had the whole thing planned out. He knew exactly uh, which holds he used in the route he would take. So by the time that he free soloed El Cap, Honnold has spent countless hours practicing the climb. So why am I telling you this? Uh, I'm telling you this because what separates amateur rock climbers from professional rock climbers is the thousands of hours of practice. It's the thousands of hours uh, of practice without cameras and without praise practicing while nobody's watching, thousands of hours uh, failing and persevering and overcoming, getting up and doing it again. In fact, uh, what separates amateurs from professionals in any field is the thousands of hours of practice. And I want to tell you this because I think that there are many parallels with this and with the spiritual life. Obviously, uh, we don't have amateur Christians and professional Christians, uh, but I do think that what separates those who just call themselves Christians from those who actually walk with depth and intimacy with the Lord is two things. One, uh, what do you put into your mind as a learner? And two, uh, what do you do when nobody's watching? In the, in the hours and hours behind closed doors when it is just you and God, what do you do when nobody's watching? And so an accidental atheist is anyone who proclaims one thing with their mouth, but then proclaims an entirely separate thing uh, with their private life and their private time. And so with the rest of our time, uh, I want to look at a story of a man named Saul. So if you would turn to Acts chapter 9, uh, his is a story of a man whose entire life was flipped upside down by Jesus. So here's Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, any Christians, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. So Saul is on his way to murder Christians. He's just obtained permission to go to Damascus uh, and to terrorize Christians there. Men, women, children, he doesn't care. His life mission at this point in time is to murder Christians, to take them out. And on his way, uh, Saul is met by Jesus. And he says, who are you, Lord? This is the same Saul who would later be renamed Paul, and who would become the greatest Christian missionary the world has ever seen. This is the same Saul who would go on to plant churches all across the Mediterranean. This is the same Saul who wrote down most of your New Testament. This is the same Saul that would eventually be beheaded and martyred because of his Christian faith. Something drastic happened for Saul. 
something uh, crazy and significant happen in this man's life. And, and I think if we turn a couple pages in our Bible to Philippians chapter 3, uh, we just get a glimpse into what might have happened to him. So uh, here's Philippians 3, starting in verse 7. These are the words of this man. He says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So what in the world could take a man from Acts chapter 9 to Philippians chapter 3? What in the world could take a man breathing threats against Christians, murdering believers to a man who is leveraging all that he has for the sake of Christ? There's one word uh, that I want to hone in on and look to in Philippians chapter 3, and that word is knowing. It is knowing. Underline that word, circle it, uh, write that word down, because Paul says that knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, is of utmost worth and importance. It's of utmost worth and importance. In Acts chapter 9, Paul meets Jesus on his road to Damascus, and he says, hey, who are you, Lord? I have no idea who you are. And then by Philippians 3, he proclaims that this Lord, this Jesus is so good that in comparison, everything else is rubbish, is trash, it's rubbish. He proclaims that he would give up everything in exchange for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, his Lord. So knowing Jesus himself changed everything for Paul, changed everything, it wrecked his life. When I was a kid, uh, I loved baseball and I grew up in Tacoma, Washington, so naturally, I was a huge Seattle Mariners fan. And at the time, the Seattle Mariners had a up-and-coming shortstop named Alex Rodriguez. Went by A-Rod. And at the time, I would buy all of A-Rod's baseball cards. I knew, knew every one of his stats. I would practice his batting stance in my living room. I had the poster above my bed of Griffey and A-Rod that said the dynamic duo. It was great. <laughs> As a kid, uh, I even hoped that one day, one day, if I was lucky, uh, my friends would call me A-Rob. <laughs> They'd refer to me uh, as A-Rob, like he's A-Rod. Um, so I knew some stuff about A-Rod. I, I knew his stats. And at the time, my dad was a police officer. And, and he had this friend who was also a police officer that one day pulled A-Rod over. A-Rod flies by speeding. Uh, my dad's friend pulls him over, walks up to the window, and, and A-Rod rolls down his window. And the first thing out of A-Rod's mouth is, hey, do you, do you know who you just pulled over? Do you, do you even know who I am? So tooly, right? Like such a tool. And, and I remember hearing this story as a kid and just being crushed because I, I was figuring out that A-Rod may not be the hero that I thought he was. He was kind of a mean guy to this police officer. And I realized who I thought A-Rod was was far different from who A-Rod actually was. Now, uh, was 10-year-old me just probably a little judgmental? Totally. Totally. I'll wear that. Uh, A-Rod might have just been having a bad day. Um, but here's the reality. The reality is that there is a massive difference between having knowledge about somebody uh, and knowing them personally. 
There's a, a massive difference between having knowledge about somebody and knowing them personally. The scariest passage in the entire Bible is, is Matthew chapter 7. And, and this guy comes to Jesus and he says, Hey, Lord, look at all the stuff I did for you. Look at my life. Look how my calendar is full of religious activity. Lord, I know all of your stats. And Jesus looks at this man and he says, Hey, I never knew you. Stats and stuff, that's, that's great that your calendar is full of religious activity, but I never knew you. So knowledge about is not the same as knowing personally. It's not the same as knowing personally. So Resonate, my question for us today is simply, do you know him? Do you know this Jesus? Do you know him personally or, or do you just wear his number on his back and practice his stance? I'm, I'm personally troubled and, and even convicted by what counts as being a Christian in America today. I, I'm personally convicted because uh, oftentimes my public life um, does not look like my private life. I would even say that my private life betrays my public life. Publicly, um, oftentimes I say I love Jesus and he's my father and he's my king, um, but in private, the way I think about Jesus is I think about him like a burden or like he's exhausting to me. And, and this is perplexing because everyone else in my life who I have affection for, I love to spend time with. I love to ask questions and I love to be around. Um, but Jesus, nah. Jesus, you can have, have my Sundays or you can have uh, 15 minutes every morning, um, but not much more. So do you know him? Do you know him? Um, I want to read to us a passage from Exodus about what it looked like to meet with God under the old covenant. So while I read this passage, if you would, just put yourself in the shoes of the ancient Israelites for a moment. Put yourself into the story. Imagine um, that you've, you know that in a couple days you're going to meet with God. He's going to descend upon a mountain, uh, but he also told you if you get too close to this mountain, uh, then you'll surely die. So here's Exodus uh, chapter 19, starting in verse 16. It says this, it says, On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. It's the third day and, and you're in the camp and you are trembling because of the thunder and lightning. And then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like a kiln, like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The mountain is shaking, God's voice booming from heaven. There's fire, there's smoke, and the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, uh, and Moses went up. What an event it was to meet with God. What a crazy event. Fire, smoke, thunder, lightning, God's loud voice booming. This is a crazy event. And, and then later in Exodus, what we see is that Moses would meet with God in a tent. 
So, so if you were the people of Israel, you'd come out and see Moses walk by and go into a tent. And what Exodus says is that Moses would meet with God as a man meets with their friend. As a man meets with their friend. And so I want to read us this story um, just to show us how privileged we are. This is the old covenant story, but under the new covenant, uh, we have access to God because Jesus, God himself, climbed onto a cross to bridge the gap between God and mankind. And so forevermore, we have access to this God of the universe. In In a moment, in that moment on the cross, the veil of the temple was torn in half and the people of God were invited into the throne room with confidence. We've got access to God. The tent is now open for business to each and every one of us who wants to meet with God face to face. Incredible news, but we unfortunately are underwhelmed. Unfortunately, we're too tired. Unfortunately, uh, we're too stressed. Unfortunately, we would rather binge Netflix and tend to our busy lives. It is a, a difficult undertaking and takes hours of hard work to get to know anybody. And, and to get to know God, we are frankly just too busy. We're too distracted. It is far easier to just come to church and, and listen to worship music and get the tattoos, uh, maybe even lead a small group and to know his stats. I personally, again, need to publicly confess with how okay I am with just going through the religious motions. I, I just want to confess how okay I am having the appearance of godliness in public, uh, but no godliness in private. Under the new covenant, again, we have been given access to God. He has made a way for us to know him personally and to spend time with him. We have the great benefit of the Bible so that we can know the same God who shook mountains. The ancient Israelites couldn't get too close to God or they would die, but we have been invited to draw near to God and know him in prayer. But again, we often treat the Bible uh, like it's more of a burden than a benefit. And we often treat prayer like it's more of a ritual than a relationship. So what's the problem here? Uh, why is this a big deal? Here's why. Uh, because we're just going through the religious motions. And, and if we don't actually know God himself, then who in the world are we singing to? Who, who are we praying to? What exactly are we worshiping? This is like me walking up to A-Rod uh, and saying, hey, A-Rod, you're such a good guy. You're so kind and warm-hearted. Warm and he would look at me and say, I've never seen this man. This man's a crazy person. We aren't boys. I never knew you, A-Rod would say to me. So worshiping a God that you don't really know is one, uh, it's just silly, uh, but two, it's likely idolatrous. It's likely a, a God of your own creation. William Temple said this, he said, if your conception of God is radically false, then the more devout you are, the worse it'll be for you. You are opening your soul to be molded by something base. You had much better be an atheist. He says, it is better that you don't worship or believe at all than for you to worship a God of your own making. So how do we do this? 
how, how exactly do we know this God? Well, uh, first of all, you're not going to like my answer. I didn't bring with me uh, three easy steps to get to know God overnight. Um, and we're not going to like this answer because our world currently doesn't require much patience. Everything is microwaved or instant or, or drive-through. Um, but knowing God demands patience. There's, there's no workarounds for getting to know God. Getting to know Jesus is not quick. Um, it's, it's likely difficult. But I want to tell you, it is infinitely worth it. Getting to know Jesus is infinitely worth it. Pete Carroll uh, is the coach of our beloved Seahawks, Go Hawks. Uh, pray with me that Russell returns uh, next year. Um, and Pete Carroll once said this about practice. He said, games are won in practice. Uh, and then he said, Super Bowls even are won in practice. So what does that mean? That means that when no one is in the stands is when you're developed into who you are. When no one is watching and applauding and praising, uh, that is when you're developed into who you are. Your private life is what proves that you're not a fake. It means working as hard to an empty stadium in practice uh, as you do at the Super Bowl. And, and spiritually, I want to ask us if we're willing to pay that price. Are we willing to pay that price? Or are we just okay with the way things are? I wish we asked each other more often questions like, hey, how's your private life with Jesus? Like how, when it's just you and him uh, behind closed doors, what happens there? What goes down? What kinds of things does he say to you? Are you pursuing daily intimacy with the Lord? What are you doing to draw near to the Lord each day? Because you see, coming to church uh, is a great thing, and you should totally do it, uh, but it will never replace daily rhythms of personal worship. And, and raising your hands during worship, uh, that's a good thing. Uh, maybe you should do it, uh, but it can never replace kneeling before God in prayer. Making disciples, great thing. It's an essential thing even, and you should do it but it can never replace being a student of Jesus yourself. Being a part of gospel community is a good thing. It's a great thing, and you should do it. But it can never replace moments of personal silence and solitude, where it is just you and your heavenly Father. Never replace silence and solitude when it's just you and your heavenly Father. A frequent critique of church leaders, um, not just Resonate Church, but, but the church as a whole is, hey, I don't feel fed by you. I don't feel fed by you. I don't feel mentored by you the way I want to. Um, I don't feel like your influence is leading me closer to Jesus. And, and first thing I want to say, some of this is absolutely real. Some of this is good and right, and I'm not disregarding that as entirely false but, but what I also want to tell you uh, is that at Resonate Church, our goal is not primarily to feed you. It's not, it's not primarily to feed you. Our goal uh, is far more to equip you to feed yourself. Our goal is to equip you even to equip others to feed themselves. So Sunday gathering is not primarily intended to feed you. 
the staff member you're connected to, not primarily intended to feed you. Your huddle, and not to feed you. Your pastor, far more interested in teaching you to feed yourself. When babies get hungry, uh, they sit there and they fuss and they cry, and, and mom and dad know to go and bring a bottle. But if I did that, if I sat in our living room and fussed and cried when I got hungry, my wife would look at me like I am nuts, like I'm crazy. Uh, because grown adults, when they get hungry, uh, they walk into the kitchen and they make themselves some food. This is what adults do. And I just want to say this lovingly and with so much grace to you. So much grace. I even want to confess um, that many of us have, have been walking with Jesus for several years, and, and we still want the bottle. Bring on the bottle. We still expect leaders and mentors to mediate our relationship with God. We still want someone else to go into the tent while we wait outside, shaking, waiting to hear what God has to say. But the good news of the gospel is this, that at the cross, Jesus made a way for us to know God. Jesus became the once and for all mediator between God and man. And now we can interact with God personally in any time and in any space. Our God offers all that he is to us in a buffet in his word. He offers his values, his character. He offers stories of how he interacts with humanity in a buffet in his word. He offers a buffet to us uh, in his ear and in his power in prayer. So resonate, church, do not wait for a bottle. Would you go and feast? Go and feast. Don't be satisfied with the crumbs on the floor when God himself beckons you to feast. This is great news. So how, again, do we know him? Well, to put it simply, uh, we practice the spiritual disciplines that followers of Jesus have been practicing for thousands and thousands of years. That's how. Really practically, uh, do you have a plan to feast on his word? Do you have a plan to memorize his word? Do you have time throughout your day to feast on his, on his presence in prayer? Do you have moments of silence and solitude where it is just you and him? Do you ask himself to reveal more of himself to you? Do you obey him even when your flesh tells you not to? Do you have a private life with Jesus? Or are you okay with the crumbs? Real question, are you okay with the crumbs? Do you know him or do you just know his stats? Do you just know his stats? As I uh, get to close down this series, um, accidental atheist, I want to tell you something that I think is really important. I, I understand uh, that the tension of teaching a series on accidental atheists is that for several weeks, or, or at least for the last 20 minutes or so, um, there's a chance that we feel pretty guilty about the state of our relationship with Jesus. There's a chance uh, this series can lead us to a place of guilt. We might feel like we are just inundated with unbelief or like we worship at the altar of approval far too often. We might feel like we bail more than we battle, or like we don't know Jesus at all. And, and here's what I want to say that I think is so important, and I want you to get 
is that every single follower of Jesus is an accidental atheist at times. Every single follower of Jesus is an accidental atheist at times. Every single one of us has weeks or months or years where we are wrestling and battling with unbelief. We need to repent. Every single one of us has indwelling sin um, that leads us to worship approval and to bail on God, and we need to repent. We are desperate for the grace of God. Every believer, your pastor, your village leader is desperate for the grace of God. Um, But we feel guilty. And and so I want to tell you this, is that guilt looks backwards at sin and and is crippled and paralyzed by self-pity. Guilt looks backwards at sin and is paralyzing. and, And there's no room for guilt and shame on this side of the cross. There's no room. But... I want to tell you that conviction, Holy Spirit conviction, looks forward to a life of joyful repentance and belief under the cross of Christ. Holy Spirit conviction looks forward in joy under the cross of Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So may we as a church move forward with freedom uh, and without condemnation, without guilt, and knowing that we have been set free by Christ himself. And may we move forward knowing that all of life's pleasures are at his right hand. All of life's pleasures are at his right hand. There is joy in his presence more than anywhere else on earth. In Psalm 84, uh, the psalmist says this. He says, better is one day in the presence of Jesus than a thousand nights anywhere else. He says, better is one day in the presence of Jesus than a thousand sexual experiences, than a thousand nights of getting drunk or high. Better is one day with Jesus than a thousand nights scrolling through our feed, watching Netflix, or, or just numbing our pain from our life. Better is one day with Jesus than all the personal freedom and autonomy one could want. Than a full bank account, than a maxed out 401k, better is one day with Jesus. With Jesus. So do you know him like that? Have you experienced this, Jesus? Uh, every single one of us has a question, has a decision before us today, and that is, will we know him like that? Will we? Because our God, he, he set the table. He's, he's invited us to the feast. So will we know him like that? Will we feast? I know that many of us listening um, may not be followers of Jesus. And, and you may know Jesus' stats. Uh, you might know some stuff about him. Um, and, and this is an invitation to the feast. This is an invitation to know our God personally. He loves you, and he's ready to forgive you. And some of us in the room are believers and are followers of Jesus, but we have just been satisfied eating crumbs. So again, would you come and feast on the presence of God? The requirement is not perfection. The requirement is not that we would clean up our act, up our act before we come. The price has been paid in full. Our God uh, is completely worthy of our lives. 
He's got storehouses just bursting with joy and pleasure forevermore. And all he asks is that we would get to know him. So Resonate Church, may we be a church that knows our God personally and intimately. I want to just pray to that end. God, we're grateful for Jesus. We're grateful that you've made a way for us to know you. We're grateful, God, that you're not distant and far off. You have invited us close in relationship and into your kingdom. So, Father, I pray uh, that as a church, we would be people who pursue closeness with you. Teach us to pray, Lord. Teach us to, to seek your face in your word. Teach us to draw near to you. I pray, God, that as a resonate church, we would be a people that knows you deeply. God, we worship you. You are worthy. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. If you are a college student in the Northwest, or if you simply want to see college students come to know Jesus, please connect with us by visiting Resonate.net.